It was a full year ago when Jake and Elliot affectionately self-dubbed the Mebros recalled an album that perfectly fit within the mission of the Sippin' Mimos project. The album contained collaborations between stars of the 1990s rock and electronic worlds. It was perplexing, moody, and inspired by an often forgotten comic book anti-hero. The boys sat down to record a conversation and deep analysis of this album. After the show was completed, something happened. Files were corrupted, autosaves failed. It was as if powers beyond our world refused to allow this content to be released. The episode was lost until now. Please enjoy this special lost and now recovered episode of Sippin' Mimos as Jake and Elliot dive deep into the film and music of 1997's Spawn. Well, hey man, fears. Oh, fears, Jake. (laughs) 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 Clink. Clink. Yeah, man. Uh, boy, there's it's brisk out. There's a there's a bite in the air, and it's the leaves are blowing around, and the wind is rattling windows. Uh, it is spooky season, Jake. Uh, it is spooky season, Jake. Oh. <laughs> it sure is, Elliot. <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh, welcome to a very special episode of um, Sippin' Screamos. Yeah. On Jake. Oh, and I am Elliot. And this is the podcast where we uh, uh, discuss 90s radio rock and electronica while s- sipping beverages often. Jake. Oftentimes mimosas. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, well, on special occasions. <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking a uh, blood red wine tonight. Oh, very nice. I'm not usually a wine drinker, but got one of these uh, uh, as a gift. And look, look who's on the label. Snoop Dogg? Snoop Dogg. This is called 19 Crimes. <laughs> like, and it's like a this line of um, this like vineyard that like puts rappers on their labels. And if you like download an app or like look at it with your phone, the label will talk to you as Snoop Dogg and stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty fun. <laughs> um, okay. For this very special Sip and Screamos edition of Sip and Mimos, we, Jake and I both decided this is a long time coming. To discuss and take apart and in excruciating detail the film and soundtrack to the movie Spawn. 1997 Spawn. And it seemed to be we've we've talked about this before, like years before we ever started recording each other's conversations and stuff like that, that you know of. And and where we would just come up at, it would just come up in conversation, like you know, here and there, because we're clearly both into the 90s music and all this and like that soundtrack it, it has a special place in my heart the movie does as well the character does as well and this and but the, especially the soundtrack for this show for this program you're listening to seems to be like the perfect thing for us to talk about because it's such a meld perfect or imperfect of this that, that 90s new metal thing and like the weird uh, boom of electronic music and they like forcibly pushed these two genres together and made this sound uh, uh, almost like a mood piece that accompanied the movie Spawn. Jake, what, do you, what, what did you think of Spawn the movie? What is your history with Spawn? Oh, man. Um, my first time, my first memory of Spawn was from a, a comic book 
it was a Spawn Batman comic book. It was a DC Image crossover. I had that did you, book. Did you have this one? Batman versus Spawn? Hell yeah, I had that. You had your mind? But I remember he, I was like, who's this guy? His, 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 cape, his cape is the coolest thing I've ever seen. He's scary. It was written by Frank Miller. That makes perfect sense. And I, that was my first introduction to Spawn. And then this movie came out. And man, this movie... We, I could I have vivid memories of like playing Spawn on like the playground and wow pretending to like do that that awesome flip gun shooting thing he does <laughs> uh, when he does like the front flip and shoots shoots his guns while he's like doing it even though uh-huh. after watching it 24 years later I realized he's just shooting a wall yeah he wasn't shooting at anything oh boy <laughs> so th- those are my memories of spot and i uh in this movie I- i'm right there with you it, uh, we'll get into it while it's not the perfect movie i think it- it's it's a very important movie uh sounds like not only to us but to the zeitgeist as well what about you <laughs> this hit me at the exact right time like uh, I was way into comic books and like, you know, and genre and all this and certainly electronic music and like, you know, and all my friends were listening to new, new metal. I like, Oh, something we can all agree on. <laughs> uh, but the character, like um, I was reading a lot of comic books at the time. And like this new character came out on this new label image. Uh, uh, it's not Marvel. It's not DC. It's image. And it's, it's very different very much uh, R-rated stuff, but it's like right next to your, you know, your, your Avengers, your X-Men and all that stuff. Um, and it was so cool. Like, I don't know, growing up with, with a uh, religious, in a religious household, like the character is battling with these ideas of heaven and hell and all this. Um, and it was a cool idea. The character looks amazing. The, the, like the design of the character is awesome. And then when this movie comes out, it's just a, you know, crazy cgi shoot them up it took uh, you know uh, uh probably a lot of the wrong cues from mortal Kombat, and like like all right here we go and like you know when you're like 15 16 and like you're just like a comic book nerd like this is the dopest thing that's ever happened to you like like it's it's the coolest shit ever like, and you're just enjoying the hell out of it you know because we didn't know that the matrix was around the corner we didn't know that like uh the mcu was around the, yet the, yet another corner uh so this was like as good as it gets and like oh man it's like violent it's like there's everything's on fire. Uh, they're, they're swearing. It's like, uh, he's really actually like, are they going to really like, you know, make them all burnt up and stuff like that. And they did of course, but probably for the wrong reasons. Well, we'll get to that. But like, um, and so the movie was like blew blew me and my friend's minds and be like, and we loved it. So of course bought this D and like, like listened to the soundtrack obsessively and all this. Do you know the story of the origin of spawn? The character. I know he was created by Todd McFarlane. Yes. And that is about it. So Todd McFarlane, Canadian gentleman, is quite the artist, or at least was, but he's now made himself into something of a mogul. He had something and he had this property to spawn and he's diversified him into every realm he can, or at least did for a minute there. And he's still struggling to uh, get a reboot going, which we'll talk about later. But um, the story of spawn is a story of image comics. So like in 1992, like there's this comics comic book boom where like all these like badass illustrators are doing all this great work for Marvel and DC. Comics are flying off the shelves because all of a sudden 
I don't know, like the, if the uh, aesthetics just changed or people were just into this, like things started looking a little more edgy, cross hatching, like intense inking started happening. These like these Frank Miller, like blacks and like silhouettes start appearing and like comic books are like now like a really cool, like kind of punk rock, violent, like interesting thing to get into. Like Tom McFarlane becomes like this uh, big deal because he, he ends up like, illustrating all these Spider-Man covers that like sell like hotcakes. Like it's like, brrr, they're doing like fourth editions of these things because they're flying out the shelves. And, and he finally like does a Spider-Man comic book. He illustrates the webs differently. Um, there it is. That's the one. Oh, uh, is that Amazing Spider-Man 300 or Web of? Yes, sir. Okay. Amazing. Amazing. So uh, first appearance of Venom. First appearance. Wow. But, but like you notice, like the, the the eyes became bigger on Spider-Man because when Todd McFarlane drew him, the webbing became like knotted up and like kind of messy and stuff like that, and people just lost their mind. And it designs this like helps design. I'm sure there's some tension here about like designing the character Venom, black, big, wide eyes. Uh, so all these issues are selling crazy. N- next to him is Jim Lee doing like X-Men One. You remember X Men issue one, like with they fight Magneto and like they did like a bunch of variant covers, and it's like the, it's still to this day I think the most best selling comic book of all time because they just printed so many of them and it was everywhere and it looked awesome. And this gatefold cover and Jim Lee's cross hatching is like uh, undeniable, and they get paid the same as the guy in the office next door, or I imagine they work from home that did you know whatever shitty issue that sold 12 copies and the rest of them were burnt or recycled and they get fed up with this. So Todd McFarlane gets this team of illustrators together. All these guys that worked for Marvel and DC, like they're just doing freelance and, and like all these awesome, like numbers that the numbers that they're making, all these characters that they're designing, they don't get any money for that. We talked like last week about how like the rights to these characters are so tied up in like these giant, big two marvel and dc there's big giant publishing companies and the creators never get like a cent of like uh the back end or whatever you call it todd mcfarlane is like gets jim lee gets uh, eric larson uh um, rob liefeld who i just designed deadpool did get us and uh, probably still to this day probably he might have a percentage because he's promoting it all the time but like, uh they don't get like the the percentages on how big uh, did this character takes off and like how well these issues sell even though they're they're the ones that are moving it because their artwork's so dope. Like, what if we make our own comic book company? What if, we, what if there was a third option when these kids go to the comic book shelves and they made Image? And like, well, and Tom McFarlane's like, well, we need a flagship character. We need our, we need our, we need our Spider-Man. We need our Superman. We need our Mickey Mouse. What if it's this character that is caught between two worlds? This character is a spawn from two different worlds, Marvel and DC, heaven and hell. And he's, and he's rogue and doesn't like either of them. And he's a, he looks a bit like Spider-Man. You can see it in the eyes. Looks a bit like Venom. You can see it in the eyes. What if our publishing company is made in the image of these other publishing companies? And we call it image. And the character's name is Spawn. And so Spawn is this rogue hell spawn that is birthed of these two giants, these two powers of nature, and he goes rogue and does his own thing. And that's exactly what Todd McFarlane did with Image Comics and what the character does. Whoa, so Spawn is almost like a a representation of Todd McFarlane 
in, in this? Just like every true work of art, it is in some way a self-portrait. Spawn is a self-portrait of Todd McFarlane fighting against these two powers. Wow. I never knew that. It's off the top of my head, this is conjecture, but, like, but like it, it's right there if you think about it. Yeah. Damn. I, I, never, knew, I, I, I never knew that. I mean, I knew uh, you know, Todd McFarlane drew an incredible Spider-Man, probably my favorite Spider-Man. Yeah, absolutely. But I didn't realize I didn't realize there was so much to breaking off and and um and creating image. I mean, like I mean talked about like artists getting like the, the short end of the stick and it makes sense. Wow. I'm like I'm at a loss for words right now. That was very very well put. Well the idea behind image was that like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna like McFarlane and, and company were like, okay, we're just going to snipe all your best artists and they're going to make their own books and they own everything. Like we're not, we're going to, we're going to take our, you know, uh, sales cut from the comic shops, but these artists own their works. Eric Larson does Savage Dragon. Jim Lee does Wildcats. Rob Liefeld does Cyberforce and Todd McFarlane makes Spawn. And like, and they go apeshit because it turns out and they, they bet on it. They bet, they bet, like, I think what's selling these books is our artwork <laughs> and even not necessarily our storylines or whatever, but like, and they were right. So they like, like the image, just like, all right, all your best artists, Marvel and DC are going to bail and make our own company and boom, like became, became this huge thing. And image is still around to this day. I didn't realize it, but it looks like image put out one of our favorite I, I've, I personally never read the comic book, but I know we've talked about the the, the film, at least the first one, at length. Uh, Kick ass, Kick ass, correct. Ramita, wow. yeah, that's incredible. What what a what a no, well, story. It's like a like an artist co op they tried to build, and then like, well, we, well, why don't why can't we just do this ourselves? And we get like. Like Marvel is like a bazillion people, all well, bazillion, the publishing company, who knows? But like, uh, like Image, like there's six of us. So we just get all the percentages? Like, okay, let's just do it. And they did. And they, and like the big thing there was like, we all retain the rights to these characters. Wildcats had that cartoon show. Uh, Spawn became this giant thing. Yeah. Where like everyone, Spawn issue one at a time was like one of the most valuable, like recent comics to get. And like, I had a copy for a while. I don't even know if I still have one. Uh, did you read the comic books ever? You, you, no, not so much. I had, a, I had Spawn one and two. Um, One and two, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're hopefully still somewhere. Um, Because I, my relationship with comics is, I would read them. I would go through a phase like a year, year and a half to two years, where I was collecting every month, you know. And then (laughs) I'd be like, okay, like I'm good. And then like years would go by, and I would get back into it. When I would get back into it, I'm like, oh, I wonder what Spider Man's doing, or you know, I wonder what Captain America and Batman's doing. Fair enough. So I feel like I cheated myself out on on some really great stuff um but uh did 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 you read a lot of spawn growing up i I guess i did a little bit but then like i kind of like the artwork was dope but then like some of the issues would take a long time to come out because they didn't have this giant like thing behind them yeah forcing them to do it because it was creator led truly and also creator i guess fulfilled like, so like, we'll get around to it. So they would, they would come out with irregularity, but man, 
there were wild ass stories and like really, you know, dark and the artwork is amazing sometimes until they rushed like the inks. Like sometimes the artwork was a little slapdash and like, Oh, Todd didn't draw this issue. We can tell, you know, it was Greg Capullo, the inker who ended up filling in for him a lot when he became this genre culture mogul that he's yeah. now, or at least he was in his prime. And says, according to Wikipedia, he says, McFarlane eventually sold the film rights to New Line Cinema for a dollar in exchange for creative input and merchandising, merchandising rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I could understand that. I mean, like having like your your baby, you know, cause I think Image Comics came out in like 92? 92, 93, something like that. And the movie came out in 97? So only four or five years. Yeah, we should tell you like how big this thing was like Superman and Batman were around for 50 years before they got a movie, you know, uh, but like this, this thing exploded. Um, and clearly uh, creative uh, input is so deeply important to this guy because that's why he made image comments yeah. with some other guys. Uh, so that's, that means everything to him. He still has like Tom and to this day still owns film rights to spawn. And he's been trying to get a reboot off the ground well, for 20 years. The last thing I heard was, Jamie Foxx was attached to it or something. Yeah, Jamie Foxx was in talks, but we don't know. He's talking to Blumhouse and eighty four and all those guys to like make like, like give me, give me ten million dollars, I'll make a dope ass scary movie with Spawn. But like his idea of this reboot would be like Spawn is barely a character. It mostly follows the detectives, Twitch, like that Sam or- and Twitch that follow yeah. him around. Jeremy Renner was attached to play Twitch for a while, which doesn't make any sense because Twitch is like a little measly character you know who would make a good twitch kyle mooney from snl <gasps> oh i was gonna say richard dreyfus in the day but yes absolutely kyle mooney oh that's perfect someone okay you gotta tweet at mcfarlane and say <laughs> that's so good that's so good we talk a lot about casting on this on this show yeah. that's maybe my favorite kyle mooney as twitch Ooh, awesome because he's great i mean he's He's one of the best parts of SNL these days. He's so funny. And yeah, he's crazy fun. So we both revisited Spawn. Yeah. I think we texted a little bit about it. Um, some things held up, some things didn't. What do you, what, what, I mean. Um, pitch me Spawn and give me the elevator pitch. What's the story about in 11 seconds? So, so the listeners that haven't seen it can understand what this character is. Okay. Al Simmons, um, a... Uh, a war a not war a war guy uh a, a war a guy soldier. yeah Al simmons is um double crossed by his general slash boss played by uh martin sheen martin um, sheen and uh which how did they get that guy how did they get this guy into the movie so his grandkids like spawn you think that's it yeah oh, yeah yeah <laughs> Or maybe Charlie liked Spawn or something. No, it was it was Emilio. <laughs> Emilio, yeah. Or with it, I always get Martin Sheen and Michael Sheen mixed up. The Underworld. Oh, I love guy. Love Underworld. I love Michael Sheen. Frost Nixon. Michael Sheen. Uh, Midnight in Paris. Uh, oh, Michael all right, Sheen. you got me. All right. <laughs> love Michael Sheen. Oh, he's great. He's great in everything. Um, man, man, Frost vs. Nixon is such a badass movie. Uh. I haven't seen that in a while. All right. Anyways. Uh, so Martin Sheen, who's uh, 
being manipulated by John Leguizamo's clown slash violator, who is working for the devil, convinces Martin Sheen to kill Al Simmons, played by Michael J. White. Michael J. White. In order so he could lead Malbolgia, a.k.a. the devil, who doesn't move his mouth when he talks, uh, can lead his army from hell to conquer earth and heaven. Mm-hmm. Did I Something nail like that. it? <laughs> Al Simmons is like a like a badass special ops dude. Special like, ops, good word. Who like seemingly doesn't flinch about killing women and children, and like uh, he's yeah, double crossed by Martin Sheen. He was like head of like CIA slash whatever, but he's in talks with essentially hell. Uh, and the, the, their their ambassador is Leguizamo as the clown slash violator. Is it? I got one more thing to do, and, and they they kill Al Simmons, but he's part of it all. He's part of this greater plan to uh, bring upon the end of the world, and he becomes Spawn. How did Martin Sheen and the clown meet each other? <laughs> That's a. I would love to be in the room for that one. Um, they met. They matched on Bumble. <laughs> I, 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 oh gosh. Um, and these are those things that, and we, and we, we have to say, because I, I mentioned before, it's it's an it's an important movie because it predates Blade by a year. Meaning, there's an African American protagonist. Well, not only that, but comic book movies. We had had others. Before this, have you not? There was a 1990 Captain America. That doesn't count. That was barely released. What else was? What else was? So the 90s were. Go ahead. Batman. 89 Batman. Yes, of course. And then, and then the Batman's that followed. Yes. Okay. See our, see our episode on uh, Batman Return. I'm sorry, Batman and Robin in the Matrix. When was Batman and Robin? 98. 97. So this same year. Same year. Interesting. Um, the crow. There's a lot of the crow in Spawn. Yeah, yeah. Crow was '94. Um, crow was '94. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Darkman came out in nine, 1990. This is very Darkmany as well, man. Imagine uh, Sam Raimi doing Spawn. That's that the been, movie I want to see. That would have been cool. So I, I guess I should say. It was important because it's a it's an African American lead, but I mean also, I mean because it made it made its money back. I mean it wasn't yeah. a total flop. Uh, uh, I think almost twice over. Yeah, it was it was it was kind of a hit enough. And then after this came Blade, and then after Blade was, I mean that's when they started doing X Men and yeah X Men and all that nonsense. You know. So I mean certainly certainly important in a lot of ways. Um, we were tasked with listening to the soundtrack and like, I remember like, like yes, so many times you've said like, Oh yeah. The, um, the spawn soundtrack, you mentioned it to me. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I, I said, I like grew up on new metal stuff and, and you, have you, you asked, I remember you asking me vividly, have you, did you ever listen to the spawn spawn soundtrack? And I was like, no, but I'd love the movie. Um, oh. and so I actually got to listen to the soundtrack for the first time for this episode. Oh, Okay, well, there's not a lot of the soundtrack in the movie. It's one of these things too. Um, yeah. uh, what'd you think? 
but you, you better believe Orbital and Kirk Hammett Satan scored that uh yeah, the credit scene, yeah. This is why it's a perfect like Sip and Mimo's album album soundtrack, uh, because a lot of our favorites pop up here. A lot of our guys that we've talked about yes. like, over and over keep popping up. And uh um and often working together, which is kind of a beautiful, beautiful thing. You are right. There are so many of our, our faves on this thing. I mean, um, on, op- the opening track on the soundtrack is uh, Crystal Method and Filter doing a version on the Method's Trip Like I Do. It's called Can't You oh, Trip Like I Do. I love that you call them The Method. That's so sick. <laughs> I bet they would love that. They would. I, I, I'm going to tweet them. Tweet them. I don't have to tweet They would love that. <laughs> Side note, and this actually kind of like ties into this episode. MTV used to do a, I, I saw this recently. MTV used to have like, they had a short lived like festival called like Sports and Music. And the 1997 edition of the festival took place here in Austin. Who played that festival? None other than a very young Blink 182 and the uh, Crystal Method. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 what what year was this? 97? Were they co-headlining? They were like the openers. <laughs> like they they like I think the headliners were like the offspring or something like that. But yeah, this this album was the soundtrack was certainly just like a perfect like mix. I mean, uh hearing Can You Trip Like I Do Trip Like I Do is my favorite song off Vegas. I think it's the one I um that one in high roller i just i met, I've talked about before i just really really love those two songs the the 11 12 minute version of trip like i do sans filter do yeah. you like do you like the filter version with like the vocals like can't you can't you trip like i do oh <gasps> he doesn't like it guys i, I like it but the 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 the, the, OG, the original version is just it's just so good. I mean, I like that they kept the the ex girlfriend's voicemail. Why can't you yeah. chip that guy, dude? Ten out of ten for me, man. Opening track. Oh. I don't think it's in the movie. <laughs> no, um, I don't think that one is. But Crystal Method and Filter, they made some magic there. That's, like, that's kind of some lightning in a bottle. That's kind of some image comics right there, man. Well, yeah, the entire soundtrack is collaborations, right? It's all collaborations. And anytime either of these guys phone it in, you can hear it. That's why we open up with Crystal Method and Filter. They both went gangbusters and produced the shit out of this tune. And I think it's fucking awesome. Uh, it's 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 fantastic. I, I I listened to that one driving to work in the morning and it woke me up and pumped me up for the day. So Well, remember we talked about when we talked about Crystal Method, it's badass music. Like you are a badass. I'm gonna go and fucking snap some necks and kill some people. And then so a song that does come out in the movie in in the alley. So Spawn, I think it'd be fun to like go through the soundtrack, talk about, it, and then where the where they fall in if they do, and then we can just. Are we, are we going track by track? Yeah. My idea was let's go track by track. Okay, next one is Man on the Moon. Um. Yeah, that one does come out in the movie uh, when he sure in does the alley. Uh, uh, long road out of hell. A little on the nose. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, it's like, oh, I'm Spawn. I'm a guy in the comic book. <laughs> I'm homeless. My face is all burnt up. Yeah. <laughs> He's essentially singing what's happening in the movie. Like, you know. Uh, 
who's gonna feed Spaz? You know, that was a weird Spaz. Uh, but like Spaz is the name of the uh, cinematographer. Uh, yeah. So this guy, the director of Spawn, uh, Mark Az uh, Depay. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing. Uh, is a very obviously very you know talented visual effects. I don't know about director, but visual effects guy. He did the T1000 from Terminator 2, the silver, and then he also did the Abyss. And he did the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. The the graphics for Jurassic Park still hold up. They're still rock and roll. Can I say the same about the Violator? I don't. There's some shots that are pretty sweet. I will say. Within my research, like it, it seemed to me like they were like, okay, we're, we're gonna have a combination of like CGI and <clears throat> and practical effects, just like we did in in Jurassic Park. That's why they got the ILM dudes. So like, and someone was like, fuck it, let's just have ILM direct the thing whoops like because like story structure be damned or whatever like ugh, this transitions ugh. um the swipes the swipes Rough. there's one point where there's a swipe and then like 15 seconds and there's another swipe it's <laughs> it looks like a powerpoint presentation i did in like junior year of high school <laughs> i was waiting for like a starburst like you know? yeah <laughs> Uh, oh, but like uh, apparently like, the budget changed a lot. Like while they were making it, like you've got you've got thirty million. They're like okay, well let's get to work. And like oh, never mind, you have sixty. They're like oh, awesome, we can. And then like no, 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 you have ten. Like well, well, what? So like the the hellscape at the very end was like going to be a dark room. Like we'll just go to a gymnasium and turn all the lights off. And then they're like no, no, never mind, we're gonna give you thirty more million. Like oh, we'll make then we can we can make hell. And it, and then like, but they had to do it like within like six days. That's why it looks like shit. <laughs> someone on YouTube said that it looked like someone was like, "This is a great PlayStation One cutscene." Like, yeah. <laughs> the, this Manson tune. I didn't hear a lot of sneaker pimps. <laughs> yeah. Didn't hear a lot of that in the song. Um, the ne- the next song is uh, t- I think two of our favorite artists, mm-hmm. Orbital. Um, and uh, Kirk Hammett, the guitarist from Metallica. So Metallica technically gets like double billing this album because Kirk Hammett is their guitarist, and we have a we have a Metallica remix later that I'm very curious about your thoughts on. But yeah, this is um, we talked about Satan on our Orbital episode because it was on the bonus disc of Insides. Uh, but this is the reconfiguration with Kirk Hammett. He must have spent boy upwards of 14 minutes on this song. <laughs> it's just like a like a guitar riff in the background of this like badass electronic song. Um, yeah, it's not featured. His guitar isn't featured in the credits version. The credits version, which which looks just bonkers, like it's it plays over the intro. Yes. Yeah. And I, I texted you earlier. It, it looked like they were tr- really tr- trying to do like a uh, the opening of Seven, but like with like fires. Like fi- everything's on fire in this movie. Is it not the Hammett version that plays? It's not. It's it's the it's the original version of Satan. I didn't hear a ton of his guitar, but yeah. Uh, I mean, the song rules. Uh, Satan. Uh, yeah, by by Orbital, it's uh, one of my faves, and and of course, you know, listeners will if they remember. Like I, I adore Orbital, Paul and Phil. I think they're amazing, and like uh, I think it fits well into the soundtrack, probably more than most of the rest of it. I agree. 
it got me amped up. The movie start. The movie starts in such a weird way. Like it's like, it starts off with uh, Illustri- What's the guy's name? Uh, Cogliostro. Cogliostro, like narrating, and he's like, it's- in the past it was the heaven versus <laughs> the earth, and then the hell uprose, and then this. I am an actor. I went to Juilliard, and this is the best I can do right now. I have to pay for my mortgage. I believe that's. I believe that's his monologue from the opening of Spawn. I'm, I'm just looking at this this gentleman's Wikipedia. His name is Nicole Williamson. He was once described as the greatest actor since Marlon Brando. Yeah. It feels like a real Alf Guinness and Star Wars kind of thing where like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> but the <laughs> I can cash the checks. And I, I don't know what this I, is, but the getting's good. Yeah, and I can talk like this, and I get a cool hat. He looks like uh, it looks like Van Helsing. He's got a big old hat. That's pretty dope. Nice. But, uh, he, he's our he's kind of our narrator through the movie. Like this poor hell spartan birth out of the hills. So another fourteen minutes in a closet. He just like rocks out this narration. At, board, <laughs> at one point, he's like, "It's time," and then nothing happens. Like, like... <laughs> <laughs> and now we begin. Oh, the yeah, movie just like, slams on brakes. Oh, it's insane. Like, at one point, Tom, get, uh, Tom, <laughs> Tom Spawn, you know, um, Tom Spawn, Spawn gets like gets put on this like gate, and the guy's like, "Don't get in," and then Spawn's like, "I have to go save Wanda," and then you right. look, and there's like 20 minutes left, and you're just like, "What is happening? Like, I don't even know any of these characters." <laughs> like, we should we should say that. Uh, Spawn reawakens in a in an alley uh, as a burnt up husk of, him, of himself. He is uh, homeless like and Kruger. a little bit, and he he re- he slowly realizes it's been five years since he died, and he goes back home to check on his wife Wanda, who has now been remarried to his ex partner in the special Harry? ops, DB Sweeney. Right, that's such his name. What's he been in? He's been in some shit. DB Sweeney. Yeah, by all accounts. No one wanted to make the movie unless he was white. I saw that, and it was it, it, that was Todd McFarlane's thing when he was like, because he didn't want to, because because Spawn is played by Michael Jai, a, a you know, African American actor a who's badass. off the hook, off the hook. You, you 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 texted a question that was like, why is he not bigger? I just think we haven't hit the Renaissance. The Michael J. White Renaissance. Yeah. Well, he had his chance to pop off in The Dark Knight. And what does he say in Dark Knight? Enough from the clown. Boom. Wait. Enough from the clown. Boom. Uh, Violator. He spawned. Oh. How cool is that? I didn't put that together. That, f- that feels like a spawn high five to me. But, you know. Bro, you are blowing my mind with this episode. I got the goods tonight, baby. Uh, should we so- get to uh, the next track? Yeah, after Satan, we have a, a a song that doesn't appear in the movie. Kick the PA, Corn, and the Dust Brothers. Thoughts? Are you familiar with the Dust Brothers? I am. Are you familiar with Corn? We know you are. <laughs> I mean, are they my favorite band of all time? I mean, that's up for debate. As, as a fan of Corn, are you into this one? This one was cool. I'd never heard the song before. Wow, really? Which, yeah, so this was right around the time Corn was getting ready to put out Life is Peachy, um, which I really enjoyed. Um, what were the hits off of that one? 
Got the Life. And that came out in 98, so a year later. Yeah. Um, but this one's this pretty one, rad, right? Kick the PA. Like, when the guitars came in, I listened to it and I was like, that's corn. Like, I mean. <laughs> that that weird ass uh, bass thing that they do. That, it's just like a. It's one of those things where you. Love or hate corn, you can hear the guitars in corn and you're just like, oh, I know who this, I know exactly who this is. Because they're fighting, if I recall correctly, the circle of this. Yes. Boom. <laughs> See how I recall this stuff? <laughs> Are you familiar with the Dust Brothers at all? No, this is my first time hearing them. The Dust Brothers created the entire score for Fight Club. Oh, wow. Like and like they do all this weird like like bit crushy like uh, very simple samples and like because the movie's about like materialism and all that so they do these like uh, over processed uh, samples for the score is amazing. According to their I'm their Wikipedia page, Paul uh, they worked on Paul's Boutique with the Beastie Boys. Yes, I think they produced it. Yeah, which is an album I actually just listened to for the first time. Oh, it was incredible. And and this is a corn song you had never heard before. How about that. I thought it was great. I mean, I recognized uh, Head Monkey's guitars immediately, um, and it felt... It yeah, felt head, head and Monkey, classic. Just classic Head and Monkey. Um, then after that, we have a, another song that's not in the movie, but produced by uh, an artist we have seen before. Mm -hmm. uh, Tiny Rubber Band featuring the Butthole Surfers from my hometown of lovely San Antonio, Texas, mm -hmm. and Moby. Yeah, seems to be. Did you like this one? I love this one. This was one of my favorites. Re really? Really? Yeah. Okay. By all accounts, Moby barely did anything and like wanted to do a wanted to do something with someone else that didn't work out for the soundtrack and like just sent like two things. Like here's some here's these string pads and then here's just like one thing. Because Moby, as we've established, he's kind of a dick. <laughs> So this one's okay. I, 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 uh, it reminded me of like other tunes at the time. Uh, oh, Blind Melon. Blind Melon. <laughs> Thank you. It, it reminded me like, the melodies kind of remind me of that, but like it's just weird. Like it's it it's, it feels like a, the uh, a uh, grungy like grungy the genre standout on this one when everything else is kind of new metally. Would you agree with that? Hundred percent. And actually, there's a there's a song coming up in a little bit that I'm gonna bring that up again. Um, okay. Love that. But yeah, this one, I really like this one. I'm not the biggest Butthole Surfers fan. Um, not because I don't like them, just because I haven't listened to a ton of their stuff. But the stuff I have, uh, I have really enjoyed. And this this was a cool one. I uh, thought the drums were great. thought the melody was great. Um, it was right up my alley. Um, and, they're like a, and they're like a legendary grunge band, right? Like, of the note. I, I would argue they're like proto-grunge. Oh, like, okay. Uh, up there with right. like like maybe like the Melvins, highly influential. I, I would definitely say. If only they had a better name. Oh man, like what a bummer! Oh. Why would you name bummer? No pun intended. Why would you name your band that? I don't know. Because uh. they were all at Trinity. So funny, Trinity University in San Antonio, uh, which is a very like religious school, and I can imagine yeah. them being like. Yeah, we're the butthole surfers. Yeah, and then they were really good, and they just kind of took off, and they just were saddled with this name, you know. I'm just thinking, like, do they surf upon buttholes, <laughs> or are they buttholes that ride waves? <laughs> Which one is it? So, following 
Tiny rubber yeah. band. Uh-huh. That brings us to For Whom the Bell Tolls. This wild-ass Metallica remix. Uh, this is the one I was curious about your thoughts on. This is the ne- second appearance of uh, uh, you know Kirk Kennett, the guitarist from Metallica. And this is a DJ Spooky remix. And Spooky is this very intelligent DJ who makes a lot of experimental like sound collages. And he's now like a like a fucking professor of, of music and all this. He's a very smart dude, very interesting cat. What did you think of this one? It's weird. Admittedly, I didn't like it at first because sure. but Metallica, I love Metallica. I grew up on them. And so I, I, I loved Ride the Lightning was my, I think my first Metallica album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the one for whom the bell tolls is on. And so I was like, oh, okay. Like they're kind of like, he's, he's cutting up this song and speeding up things and changing the pitch of James Hetfield singing and all this other stuff. So I didn't like, I don't know if I, if I liked it the first minute. As mm-hmm. the song went on, and he started syncing up like the, the 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 bell in the background, and then he would drop the the the, the James Hetfield's vocals on top of that, but they were like pitch shift. Yeah, I, I by the end of it, I was like, okay, this is this is working for me. And he like he sped up this like song because like for whom the bell tolls is not a very like fast song. It's. <laughs> But he sped it up really fast, and by by the end of it, I was I was on board. I, I this was a sneak this was a sneak attack for me. He double timed the drums to it. You could technically call this a drum and bass tune. I respect Spooky so much that I think it's more of a rework or a reimagining than a remix or whatever. That's eh, a remix, whatever. Who cares? That's semantics. I think he's such an intelligent dude, and he's like he's trying to find something different happening here. And so, if you're a Metallica fan. And you're just like, wait, what's this spooky re- remix? Happy spooky season, listeners. Happy spooky and season. <laughs> if messing around with the bass and treble and mid on your stereo during a Metallica song is is, uh, is against the rules, then you're not going to like this remix. But I think I just find it really interesting. It's so weird. And I like that it, I like that it is weird. This is always one that stuck out, struck me uh, in this, you know, soundtrack because it's so bizarro. Uh, I'm a Metallica fan as well. I think they got some great shit. Like, uh, oh my god, I'm a Master of Puppets guy. It, it feels like a lot of tracks on this album. Feel it feels a little uh, unfinished, but it's just like him fucking around with it. Like, what can I do with this, with these riffs and this this idea and like bells? I, I'll just, I guess I'll add bells, but like um, or whatever. I don't know. I think he's trying to say something, just me knowing the artist, I think he's just trying to do something special with it. I agree. And which is really interesting because, I mean, Metallica famously, I mean, not not too long after this album movie came out, tackled Napster and like the sharing of their music. And like, I feel like Metallica is one of those bands where like, as artists, like their vision, their sound is a very, this is what we were going for. This is it, you know? And the fact that they let these guy, this guy, you know, spooky, just chop it to bits, you know, and create yeah. like different songs. I thought that was really cool. No, like that having that in the back of my mind, I thought was like really neat. Um, and this song was a it was a sneak. I, at first, I was like, oh man, like they're speeding up the, or maybe speeding up the drums um, of that iconic Cliff Burton bass line that the. No, 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 no. Yep. Um, but no, I by the end of it, I was I was on board for sure. Or not. 
Um, so at this point in the movie, uh, you know, Spawn has come back. Like Elliot said, he's living. He came. He he comes back. and He's in this alley, but he doesn't believe that he's been dead for five years. So um, Clown slash Violator, uh, played by John Leguizamo. We haven't even talked about Leguizamo. Yes, the the makeup is astonishing, and Leguizamo gets the award for most acting in this movie. <laughs> it couldn't have been easy. Uh, I apparently had to like crouch the whole time in this nonsense fat suit. And like for him to like remain in character for God knows how many takes for these ILM guys to like animate shit behind him. The makeup looks dope, I guess. I mean, he looks straight out of the page. Um, and his performance is like really over the top and like really intense. And, like, and he said like in interviews since like, I, I wish they would have pushed it farther. Like, let me like fucking swear and shit because it's, it is a PG-13 movie at the end of the day, which is crazy. Yeah. I, think, I think they had to send it back like a hundred times or something like that, like to cut things out. It's difficult to critique this performance because it's annoying, but yeah. it's supposed to be annoying. Like the character is meant to be like just uh, like a gnat in your ear and like, like like telling you like oh no work with work with hell work with the dark side. It's all part of this mechanism. I'm the violator. I'm like you know and all this. Uh, so I don't know who better I guess than you know. Like was I'm gonna do like just be fucking buzzing in your ear the whole movie, yeah. but you're a big Leguizamo fan, are you? I I have always really enjoyed John Leguizamo. I mean, even one of his like first movies that is like, like you you know a hundred hundred times out of hundred times panned the pest. Uh, yeah, uh, well, exactly. You he's know, a gnat, a pest. He's a pest in this, isn't he? Not. He, he's just like a a goofy dude. He's kind of annoying. I guess, but I've always really enjoyed John Leguizamo. I mean, even when he was in uh, like Baz Luhrmann's jo- Romeo and Juliet, you know, as oh yeah, not Mercutio. And Mercutio is played by Harold Perrineau. But yeah, no, I mean John Leguizamo. I've I've always really liked him. I mean, he, he comes out in like uh, John Wick. He's got range. He can he can be like the pest, this like crazy clown guy. But he can also do like you know serious acting like in Romeo and Juliet and then he can be like this like kind of like put upon criminal in John Wick and I just I have a soft spot for John Leguizamo John Leguizamo takes Al Simmons to a graveyard to prove to show him that he's been dead that he's like he's not himself he's this reincarnated hell spawn thing mm-hmm. and so while they're in um, while they're in the graveyard there are these like three goofy like satanists like trying to like summon the dark lord it's to... like literally the cast of the lost boys show up yes for five minutes it's like legit brookhammer's lost boys show up we're badasses and then no you're not but and, and they're, they're, it's too stabbing westward that they're like trying to summon satan he's like i summon you dark lord you know, and then one of them's like, I think we need to make a bigger pentagram, you know, like, <laughs> like, motherfucker, you don't get it. Uh, did uh, you like this stabbing westward tune? I did, you know, like, I only, I, uh, the only other stabbing westward song is like, Save Yourself. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. This song sounds exactly like that song. I, I, I'm here for it. Um, uh, the, the collaborator here is Josh Wink. Um, Josh Wink is a acid techno producer. 
acid techno is a subgenre of techno where there's um, like uh, break your eardrums kind of like tweaker synths where it gets higher and higher in octaves. Clearly not my favorite subgenre of techno, but the, but Josh Wink is a legend in the DJ world and it should be noted. So from there, you know, Spawn becomes Spawn. And gentle listener, as we're going through this movie, this is pretty much, we're describing it almost pretty much scene for scene. So if it's choppy, uh, that's just kind of how the movie is. So movie's pretty choppy. It's pretty choppy. Spawn decides he's going to go kill Martin Sheen. Uh, goes into this party. Uh, he attacks Martin Sheen. And as he's throwing Martin Sheen across the room, did you catch that like awesome guitar? <laughs> no, I, no, I did not. Oh, oh boy. I had to rewind it to listen to it again. Is this the um, first appearance of the CGI cape? Yes. So CGI cape that when it falls on the people around it, it just goes through the people. Yeah. <laughs> I guess like the way that McFarlane had illustrated his cape was all ratted up and like holes in it and all this like tattered and all this, but it was always ridiculously humongous and like encapsulated the panel. Uh, but this is the first time a superhero has ever had an animated uh, anything. You know, all the Superman movies or, or the Cavill Superman movies and, and uh, Thor and all this, it's always attached the cape to the character in post-production. Yeah. And this is the first one that did it which is pretty cool. Yeah, just just adding to, you know, the thing we said earlier, Spawn matters, you know, like this movie, <laughs> this movie yeah. matters for, you know, the, the comic book movies, you know, that we have come to know, like there's, you know, a lot of it can be found in this movie. Um, mm -hmm. I think they built upon a lot of it. Um, so Spawn gets shot, uh, and it's really actually kind of funny. Uh, Michael J. White does a really good job of like comedic timing. He gets shot by Jessica Priest, I think. Uh, played a character created for the movie that's not in the comic books until later. Yeah, didn't they like retcon her in? Yeah, they they are into the books. Melinda Clark uh, plays Jessica Priest. Uh, she like from the um. I don't know about you, but I was kind of like way into it. Yeah. <laughs> like on a rewatch, I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid, but like, uh, I was like, oh, hey, let's get more of her. And then of course, if she wasn't like just pure evil, the character was more well-written. She could have been like a cool like, Catwoman kind of thing to spawn. Yeah. But like, there also is in that ballroom scene, a quick flash of, of, uh, of a woman with these special earrings on. But uh, but she's like a big character in the spawn. Like, essentially, she's the heaven spawn, and, and she has a fight with spawn and all this. And she's like the same, a fallen angel kind of thing, and fighting her way back up to heaven. I think. So spawn's kicking ass. He spawned oh. now. This, ne uh -huh. this, this next song was so I was listening to this album. I was like, man, Smashing Pumpkins would sound perfect on this album. You know, like oh, it dark. would. Oh, they'd be way better. They're hard. Uh, they're like heavy, um, but the band manson and 808 state mm -hmm. i thought satisfied that billy corgan whiny vocal that i was looking for in this album i, I thought you would like this one yeah I, like listening to it today and i'm like skin up pin up yes uh cool vocals and you know manson uh, I, I think they had some other hits i don't know 808 state is a big techno group and like they did uh, a song called cubic cubic which is like a dope uh Techno anthem. You you sounded like Malbolgia of the Devil right there. You're really 
the new back. And I and and Jake will attest I did not move my mouth when I said it. You did not move your mouth. It was crazy. We can't afford it. <laughs> Do you know who did the voice of uh, uh, the Devil? Uh, I know it was like some famous uh, uh, voice character actor guy. I don't I don't know his name. Frank Welker. What, who who else did Frank Welker uh, voice? So he famously did Doctor um, um, Doctor Claw. Yeah, from Doctor Claw from Inspector, Inspector Gadget? Gadget. I saw some video in my rewatch as I was like researching, researching YouTube diving into Spawn, and like he sounds like Doctor Claw. I'm like, yeah, he does. Doesn't does. because <laughs> I used to watch Inspector Gadget all the time. I love Inspector Gadget, and uh, I've always loved his voice. You never see his face. I'll get you, Gadget next time and the cat meows that's so good oh okay that was I do really that was really good <laughs> <laughs> that was really really good damn thanks man dude okay so at one point spawns facing malbolgia oh back to like, the movie yeah. he's like <laughs> you will not just hit me <laughs> you can't like, you can't take this thing seriously. It looks like a screensaver. Like, it's like, terrible. <laughs> like, he, looks like, he looks like like a hairless like chihuahua with like little like, yeah, yeah, a little frizzly wispy hair, hair on the top. So at, at one point, you know, Spawn's escaping the devil. This and, is so much fun. And, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, you will never escape me. As Spawn escapes, like I think that was better than I think that was better than mine, honestly. <laughs> It was just like there's like it's it's so crazy. Um, but so we we got a couple more songs on on the soundtrack. So oh right, and I definitely think the first half of the soundtrack was a little bit stronger than the second half. <gasps> yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> I loved I loved One Man Army. Uh, I I think Tom Morello is a really creative guitarist, and this is with our boys Prodigy. Yeah, this could be a B side to the Orbital Kirk Hammett one. Uh, Tom Morello just shows up in a booth for 14 minutes and is that okay? And like, oh, we need to think. All right, I'm done. Boop. Where's we're my good? beer? Okay, and we're out. Awesome. And then we'll leave it to the leave it to the producers to figure out what to do with it. Do you feel like the similarities there? I agree. Yeah, there's that kind of like faint, like, oh, I recognize that guitar. Okay, um, but I feel like the prodigy kind of like took the ball and ran with this one. Liam of Prodigy said, like, famously, like, he made this in three days or whatever. And, like, uh, it actually eventually became another one of their B sides. It's one of my favorite other B sides. On here, it's called One Man Army. On the B side of Smack My Bitch Up, I believe it's called No Man Army. And it has no uh, Morello on it. So, if, if, if anyone listening like, dug this track, tr try and find the other version of it called No Man Army. But, but this, is, this is the scene where Spawn is on a motorcycle <laughs> and somehow finds Violator driving a truck for no reason. And they fight, and then he wraps his cape, which looks pretty cool, around the motorcycle and becomes like a thing. It becomes like a, it looks like a bat pod almost. Yeah, pretty badass. And then um, he crashes after uh, Violator. Spill some like green goo. Did you see that one of the stunt drivers like almost fucking died because like the truck hit a fence and like bam hits the one of the motorcycle drivers and like you can see it's in the movie like whoosh he like, he, like hits a wall and uh it's, I, it's, I noticed that yeah I thought it was, it was quite jarring. It stays in the movie but like 
that was a stunt driver and he almost died, but like knew how to roll with it. And it's like, oh, I'm fine. And then he just kept going. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was, when I saw that, I thought it was quite jarring. And I was like, that, that, that okay. Yeah. Well, uh, in a movie full of CGI, you're like, whoa, that looks really real. <laughs> oh my God. It was weird because it was like clowns driving this truck and then he's on the back of the I guess he's a demon so he can control it, whatever. I guess. And he's on the back of the truck and then he's back driving. The, it was weird. Like, this movie's weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you think so? Yeah, it's quite weird. And then, so after that, we have Spawn by Silverchair. Is Spawn the song? Is the Silverchair song actually the one that's playing in the cemetery? Um... I don't know. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> may, maybe, like, maybe. Uh, I, I, do, are you familiar with Silverchair? Uh, I, I mean, I know the name. I know they're a favorite in in like that like '90s uh, heavy mute, heavy rock scene. Um, I never really dived into a ton of their stuff. Yeah. Um, this one was okay. Mm-hmm. Not my fave. Um, huh. The Henry Rollins song "T4 Strain." Uh, another one. Yeah, thoughts on this one? It's weird. I'm, it's weird. Very weird. Uh, Henry Wallens, who fam- Henry Wallens, ugh. Henry Wallens, <laughs> who famously sang for Black Flag. I just Flag. tore. I just tore free. <laughs> um, then you have Incubus rocking the set. Are you a big Inc- Incubus fan? Not, not as big as I could be, but I, I, I respect Incubus. I think they're very talented. I think they're. Kind of like in that Deftones, um, same 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 league as the Deftones, where they kind of broke through that new metal sound and like experimented and kind of got weird. Wait, well, forgive me if I'm wrong. Aren't Deftones like way harder than Incubus? Isn't Incubus like? Are, maybe I just know the Incubus hits because I'm not. But I, I think I'm in the same boat. Like, right? I, res- I respect the shit out of that Incubus because, like, oh wow, there's some musicianship going on here. But like, aren't they like way lighter than like Deftones? Definitely. I would say Deftones are a lot heavier than Incubus. Um, okay. I would say that they kind of started in that, like, that heavy music kind of scene and then kind of, like, expanded their sound to incorporate electronic sounds. Uh, I know Incubus famously has, like, a DJ with them, and I think Brandon Boyd is an incredible vocalist, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Familiar was cool. I, I will just touch the real quick. On uh, the Henry Law- Henry Rollins tune, um, oh yeah, T Four Strain, Goldie, uh, the producer there is a. Um, I feel like if I don't mention his name, he'll find me and kick my ass. He is a very famous German bass producer. He is a legend, and he's a big ass, big deal, fucking big deal, legendary drum German bass producer. Uh, God, God knows how he, he and Henry Rollins connected for this track, but there it is. So. No Remorse, I Want to Die, which is Slayer and Atari Teenage Riot. Have you yeah. ever heard of Atari Teenage Riot? I have, only because there's a pop-punk band with a very similar name. The So there's a band called the Ataris. Okay. And I so Atari's, Atari Teenage Riot, same kind of like Ataris. Growing up, I'd see this, I'd see, oh, is that the... Is that a different band? Like, what what is going on here? But yeah, very different, very different. I would say. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. This one, I think, I think, as far as like the big four thrash metal bands uh, appearing on the soundtrack, I think the Metallica for whom the bell tolls 
works for me a little better than no remorse. I want to die. Mm-hmm. I change teenage right like uh, is a like a hardcore band. Uh, I guess you'd call it that. Hardcore tech band. Uh, who gives a shit? Uh, what genres anymore? But, like they're um, they're from Germany. They, they, a lot of a lot of computer punk. Like 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 really intense stuff. The beats are 180 beats per minute, which is drum bass speed. Um, and on this track, uh, they use something called the Amen break or the Amen break. And this is something that we need to talk about for at least 40 minutes, starting now. A long time ago, like in the 50s, I think, and like maybe 57, the Winstons, the, the, uh, these, the Winston brothers, like put out this song called Amen Brother. That's why I got brother from the Winstons. They put out this song called Amen Brother. And there's a certain drum beat, drum solo in that like 45 that has been sampled more than any other drum beat ever, ever. We can do the math on this all day. I've read about this. Yes. It's, ins- it's insane. And this track, Atari Teenage Riot with Slayer, No Remorse, Parenthesis, I Want to Die, is Amen Break Heavy. The uh, it's, it's all Amen Break. And there's a couple 808 basses in there. But this is a break that, that any 90s electronica guy listening to this person, listening to this podcast, I would be uh, remiss, as you said earlier, to not bring this up because this is, uh, I think, perhaps on this podcast, the first appearance of the MM break. And this is this is important. It will come in later because this is a legendary break. It's just this one little like boom. That's it. But um, it's it's been sampled and sliced up and moved around and repeated and like and staggered and it's become a lot of uh, drum bass producers favorite uh um drum pad drum set you know this oh. break the spawn soundtrack has the amen break on it and it's it's of note we need to at least address it so there, there i've said i've said my piece <laughs> and then so rounding out rounding out the soundtrack mm-hmm. we got a plane scraped its belly on a sooty yellow moon. A plane scraped its belly on a sooty yellow moon. Soul coughing oh. and Roni's size. This one was cool too. Um, kind of like I, a spoken word kind of jam, like weird. Yeah. Closing out the album in a weird mood. Yeah. I thought I, this one was cool. I mean, uh, like I said, I really connected more with like maybe like the first nine songs and like the last last five i was like okay these are cool too but i thought that that first half the first three quarters maybe were, was really really strong um i think i think we got a case of a soundtrack itis here where like the first half like oh yeah i remember that from the movie and then like second half like slams on breaks like well can't really wait like maybe perhaps chain spotting until until we get to barn slippy blah, 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 blah. Yeah, this one's weird. Are you familiar with Soul Coughing? No, I I I never heard them before, before mm-hmm. listening to this album. I feel like it's uh, another one of those like uh, up there with uh, Stabbing Westward and like Silver Chair. Like, oh, I think they had other hits. I think this is certainly one of those inspired by songs. You know, like mm-hmm. music from and inspired by. Who's Ronnie Sykes? 
Renee Size is like uh, another um, exquisite drum and bass producer, just like Goldie before him on this same album. Uh, he's an amazing drum and bass producer. Uh, I started V Records, and he's. Um, um, if you're into this tune, I would just say look up uh, just YouTube Ronnie Size Brown Paper Bag, and it's like the dopest like bass heavy like drum and bass tune ever. Um, he's a he's a drum and bass artist like Goldie. He always brings a little more instrumentality into things. He is a uh, legend, and, and like the. the but he, he, he hasn't uh, stray away from like, you know, experimentation and all that. He will, he will tour with a live band. He's, uh, I went and saw him once and it was like one of the, like the best, like, uh, <laughs> I saw him here in Austin. Yeah. Yeah. I was wearing a tie. Really? I saw him here, but it was so much. God. We were wearing hard. a tie with a shirt or just a tie by itself. I was only wearing a tie. It was around my waist. It was a skinny tie, Jake. It was a skinny tie. That's oh, all I needed. Oh, you're <laughs> nasty. So from there, you know, uh, so to close out the close the movie as we've closed out the soundtrack, um, Spawn, mm-hmm. Spawn defeats the Violator. He defeats Mal, well, some of Malboja's army, um, and realizes that Wanda, his one true love, is better off with Terry. That, that sounds about wide enough. Totally drawing a blank on this guy, Terry. Yes, and realizes that she's better off with Terry Fitzgerald, and so he kind of goes off and accepts his fate as this like warrior against evil. Movie closes out. Badass cape shot. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that that's that's 1997 Spawn. This was a total blast. I mean, and it's not a perfect movie, but it brought back no. so many fun memories of watching this uh, mm-hmm. as a as a teenager and playing Spawn on the playground. And I definitely think you can trace, you know, Spawn to Blade to uh, X Spider Man. You know, like it's like this. Like it, it just started happening, and the movies were. I wouldn't say like darker, but it it, kind of was almost like one of those things where like, oh, you can make, it kind of like brought comic book movies back to like, brought a darkness back to comic book movies, you know, because where we had like Schumacher's Batman, Mm -hmm. you know, at this time, uh, it kind of brought like a more like, like a a more grim, um, less neon uh, Spider-Man comic book movie. While Schumacher's Batman's were like destroying a franchise, I'm not saying as a critic, it was as a as numbers. Um, Spawn and and Blade were like the sort of kindling to a fire that eventually became this golden era of the MCU and the DCU and all this. And like, we, yeah, you're correct. Without this, we would not have uh, anything where we're at. So I think. We're gonna see a spawn, a new spawn, and I and wouldn't it be great if Jake and I music directed the whole thing? Oh my gosh, I would, <laughs> I would, I would, I would, I would die. I would die and then join Malboja's army, and then uh-huh. come back to Earth to make the to make the soundtrack. <laughs> Hans Zimmer can fuck right off. We're oh, talking yeah. to Crystal Method. We're talking to the Dust Brothers. We're talking to butthole surfers. 
and we're gonna do this right you know one of the things listening to the soundtrack maybe like a final word is i was listening to it in one of the the other soundtrack episode that we we did was we discussed the matrix i i honestly think that that like they could have done like this type of collaboration for the matrix soundtrack not nothing against the matrix soundtrack because it was it was great you know i i thoroughly enjoyed it but this combination of like hard rock and electronic i think that could have worked really well for the matrix and it, they kind of did it i mean yeah they kind of did it but i think it would have worked really well if they would have done this i think it i think it would have worked well it could have been it could have been the blending of the red pill and the blue pill you know oh i see you know it's a playlist it's a soundtrack it's a it's all these different songs by different people but it is a uh, little time capsule into like where everyone's headspaces were at at least genre nerds headspaces were at and it's like this mood piece of like late 90s like this angst of like what's gonna happen teenage anger and all this this is this uh i don't know teenage riot of of like what's gonna happen now and like mom and dad are into heaven and hell and they're into jesus like what if i what if what if I said, fuck you to all that? That's why Spawn became this, this icon and this escapism that kids hadn't even thought about. It. That's why it reignited the comic book genre. Like It wasn't about like, oh, my parents are dead. I'm all, I'll avenge them. I'm Batman. It wasn't like, oh, I have all these powers. Um, I have no parents. I'm Superman. It was like, what if I'm a bad motherfucker and God and Satan are telling me what to do and I say, fuck you to both. And that's the soundtrack. It's saying, fuck you to both of you. I'm going to do my own thing. And that is like kind of what the 90s are all about, man. I think it's a lot of that. I think I think I would, I would certainly agree. And one of those I mentioned earlier about bands celebrating 30th anniversaries is Nirvana's Nevermind. And it was like, it was a thing where it was like, okay, well, the primary songwriter Kurt Cobain loved metal he was a big black sabbath fan he loved pop rock he was a, he, he loved the beatles well instead of doing something that's pop rock something that's metal he's like oh, i'm just gonna create my own thing and do and create a whole new sound you know very mm-hmm. i think that i think that that's a good that's a good pin on um spawn the album did we get it i did think we, we got it, it. I, I actually, I, I think we, I think this might be the internet's first uh, spawn the album piece. Uh, did you look into it? I think so. Yeah, I couldn't. I find did it. too. I don't think anyone's covered the soundtrack. And Todd, when you listen to this, because you know Todd McFarlane has Google alerts for his his uh, his IP, his intellectual property. Todd McFarlane, come on the show. We'll we'll talk to you. Uh, come on the show and t- tell us tell us what you thought about the soundtrack. I would love that. I would absolutely just die at the opportunity to um, talk to Todd McFarlane about. I can uh, get Todd McFarlane on this show. I think I could. I don't know. <laughs> As I say that, <laughs> Todd McFarlane, if you if you are listening, please contact us. Uh, Sippingmemospod at gmail have your people reach out to us. Uh, give us five minutes. Give us ten minutes. We will. We would love to pick your brain on. Have your on- people talk to our people and. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and also, like, it'd be great if, in exchange for the promotion that we give you for free on the show, you 
make Sip and Mebo's action figures of Jake and I. That'd be great. Be, oh my god, that that detail. Oh, but well, my friend, I All think right. we did it. I think we did too. I think we did such a good job discussing Spawn the album that I'm going to go. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Remember to like and subscribe. That's so good. <laughs> When, when I do it, like you can, like my face looks like I'm struggling, but you're doing this, like it's, it's just. It's, oh, it's, it's nothing to me, yeah. <laughs> as as Malboja <laughs> stated, please remember to like and subscribe. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, follow us and, on Instagram, Sipamimos Pod. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. Please hit us, us up. Shoot us messages about like about like what do you think and 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 album recommendations and what you want to hear and i don't know whatever you want absolutely tell did you like spawn if uh what are yeah. your memories of that movie uh this was a, a very nostalgic episode but i loved every second of it um oh i had so much fun talking about this movie it's crazy as always yeah. thank you for listening wherever you are uh stay safe um have fun and uh as always that's so good like i every time you do it i get butterflies i'm like oh. <laughs>